Welcome to the 4th Tier Talk podcast with Samuel Wright and Gabrielle Ramsey. Get your best League 2 talk right here. everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of the fourth tier talk podcast i'm host samuel right here with co-host gabrielle ramsey and today we're joined by port vale fan mike stubbs how you doing guys nice to join you, nice to join you. yeah very good thank you yeah. good stuff good stuff so mike get straight into it tomorrow port vale face a tough trip to the league leaders cheltenham town what are your thoughts going into the game uh, it's an incredibly difficult uh, game uh, I think on the on the plus side that Vale are going into this with a, a much tighter backline. Uh, you know they're they're losing games at the moment by the odd goal. Uh, they've only conceded more than one once in the last five games. So tomorrow really is about that uh, the iron defence again. Uh, vale were famous years and years ago for it, for it, you know. I think John Rodgers always used to say, 20 clean sheets gets you promoted. And, and, and I'm a real firm believer in that. So if I can keep a clean sheet tomorrow, who knows? Devante Rodney's got the ability to, to pinch a goal, depending mm. on the personnel that we can get out tomorrow. Because that's Bale's biggest problem at the moment, is turning a, a regular side out. There's been a, an average of four changes since the new manager's come in. Not really anything to do with him, just purely injury-related and suspension. So... Fingers crossed. I, I would happily take a draw at the weekend. Yeah, um, as for Port Vale so far this season, just the um, nine wins so far, but a lot of them wins have been quite convincing ones. Um, what do you think has been the, the main pluses for Port Vale so far this season, even if your league position isn't the best at the moment? <clears throat> well, I mean, if you look at the, the season as a whole, the start of the season was fantastic. Uh, and at one stage, we were very happily in constant fifth position. Uh, and actually, it sort of went downhill from, from there. Uh, I do think uh, there was uh, an over-dependence on certain key players. And when they went dis- uh, disappeared through injuries and suspensions, that really highlighted a lack of squad depth. Uh, I think if you look at the local press today, uh, the goalkeeper has been very outspoken about his teammates and bit surprised really that he's been so open about the, the, the recruitment over especially over the last 12 months that uh, he, he doesn't believe that that recruitment has you know made Vale push forward if you remember back to last season obviously Vale were one of the teams that agreed not to, to, to force the season to continue uh, they were just outside the playoffs at that time uh, I think that was the right decision uh, look at you know, in hindsight, it's probably the worst decision we ever made because we should be playing uh, League One football. But at the same time, the, the the real problem for Vale actually in this particular season is these back-to-back games with not enough depth of quality. It's not that the squad's too big; the squad's uh, thirty plus, which is ridiculous at League Two level. But actually, 
within those 30, what, what's the quality actually like? And it, and it's not good enough, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's a fair assessment, really. Um, I mean, let's move on to um, Gabriel for a moment. Gabriel, your game tomorrow against Bolton. Um, what are your thoughts at the moment on that one? Of course, it's a very interesting game, probably the most highly anticipated one in the Football League. Both teams in terrific form. I mean, Bolton have came out of nowhere, really. I mean, ever since Port Vale beat them 6-3, which Michael um, loved to be reminded about. And, um, you know, this game tomorrow, it's been two teams who earlier on in the season were looking to be in a relegation battle, but all of a sudden they're now looking for playoffs or even automatic. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a really tight game tomorrow. You should look at Bolton who have won the last six, Bradford have won the last five. Uh, it's one of these two games where either side are going to try to cancel each other out. And I think right now, it's two, I believe the top two informed teams in League Two and Ian Everett, for me, is an outstanding manager. He did it with Barrow. He, uh, I think he had an all right spell with Chesterfield before Barrow. Uh, I think it's really good he's got this Bolton side playing, you know, uh, especially defensively with Ricardo Santos and Alex Baptiste back there. I know some Bolton fans describe them to as the best defensive partnership in the league. From someone who watches Bradford week in, week out, I would argue that with Niall, Niall Canavan and uh, Paudi O'Connor. But honestly, as a Bradford fan, I am confident that Bradford will be able to do something against Bolton. Uh, just for the fact that we're playing so confidently, we've got so much quality in depth right now. Something that Mike said, Port Villa currently lacking. You look at the position that Port Villa are in right now compared to Bradford, uh, who've just risen up the tables since Truman and Sellers have come in. And I can I can see them getting something out of this Bolton game. I feel like it will be a tight game. I can see it end of the draw as well. However, uh, I think it, it depends on the game plan because we've seen Truman and Sellers. They, they know how to go against teams. They, they, build, they break them down. They, they come to the, the club before an actual day, apparently, and set out a plan with each player on how to man-mark each player, what, what each player needs to do uh, to counter their opposition. And I think that's something that each club needs nowadays. And it's definitely it's definitely working out, clearly. But it just depends on, I think, definitely the game plans going into this game. Because whilst, yes, Bolton, in my opinion, probably do have a bit of a stronger squad compared to Bradford, because I think they've probably got the strongest squad in the league with some of the players they've got. Uh, I think it depends on the game plan at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, do you think the fact that Bolton signed so many players in the summer, though, is why they've had to adapt so much? Because of the start of the season was far from convincing. And they signed 16 players in the summer on free transfers, Bolton. That's an entire new squad. Do you, I think that might be why they've taken so long. And like I say, they've kind of um, come from nowhere, really, to make it into the... Um, make it into the playoff positions. And tomorrow's game's certainly going to be a massively interesting one. Um, as for um, you, Mike, what, what's um, your thoughts on the impressive teams in League Two so far this season? Who, for you, has stood out? Well, I mean, um, you, you've, you've mentioned it yourself. If you look at form, then obviously you, you, you're very uh, wary to look past the two teams that you've just been talking about. I mean, there's 11 wins out of 11 for both those teams added together. Uh there's not really that many injuries that are going to affect uh, politics out. Uh, you, we already know that. Is, Ismail is probably going to be out as well. So one from each side. But you, you'd be very bravely past them. Cheltenham, obviously, they've won four out of the last five. Uh, I think them are the, the three. Har- Harrogate have actually won four out of the last five as well. Now, I wouldn't have them down as uh, you know a side that you'd look for the, for the whole season. On current form, they, they, they've only lost one, and that was away. So, yeah, I think at, at the moment you've got to look at Bolton, you've got to look at Bradford, Cheltenham are obviously another team that you look at as well. Yeah, certainly agree there, definitely. And yeah, with um, you, Gabriel, as well. Um, what obviously you touched on the obvious things of the new manager and stuff like that, but it's gone far beyond a new manager bounce right now with uh, Truman and Sellers. 
What do you think have been the key things that have turned Bradford's fortunes around in these last few months, though? Uh, I think the first thing people noticed when these two people came in was definitely the small, ruthless nature they were taking. We saw Curtis Guthrie get shipped off to Port Vale. Uh, there was, I completely forgot now, Reese Longridge got, uh, not, not Reese Longridge, Jackson Longridge uh, got sent away, Dylan Motley and Ray. A lot of the deadwood in the squad just instantly contracts mutually terminated because Truman Sellers told them they had no future at the club, which a lot of Bradford fans were calling out for. You know, we had Stuart McCall before who kept giving games to these players who just weren't doing it for us. We've seen Beveridge Everton. He's had his contract mutually terminated and now he's a struggling Barnet team in the National League. It just shows a difference in the lack of quality we had in that club. But not only has he let these players go, he's brought in miles better replacements. You look at Daniel Rowe and Andy Cook coming up top to replace a Curtis Guthrie player who, for us, I don't think he ever scored a, a goal in the league, to be honest. But uh, he's brought in these fantastic replacements who are league world level, in my opinion. And it's, it's just the recruitment that they've done. We've got a new recruitment um, sort of advisor as well before January. The recruitment they have done has been absolutely one of the best transfer windows Bradford City has ever had. Yeah, no, definitely caught. The January transfer window was certainly a hit for Bradford and it's proven really. And one team I do actually want to talk about is um, Carlisle United, who were actually top a few weeks ago and all of a sudden they're actually now in mid-table. Um with like teams like that, I mean, the COVID interruptions in League Two is something I really want to talk about. And I think at one point, Bradford went four weeks without playing a game from Port Vale on the 29th of December to Cambridge on the 23rd of January. How much do you think the COVID effect will take its toll on the season o- at the end of it? From my point of view, I mean, it, it's really testing the, the not only the depth of squads, but it's also testing the quality I mean, League Two and League One are in, you know renowned for playing back-to-back games, where actually they've never done anything like they're doing now. So if you think about the start of the season, how they they crammed in the the football league cup, then they obviously uh, the the trophy was added in as well. Uh, you know, if if so, fail for example actually got through to the the knockout rounds for example, and that really really tested the squad. I mean, we were playing almost youth team players uh, in, in that t- towards when, when we got knocked out eventually at Sunderland. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it it's a one-off season, uh, I, but I also think it's right that we're doing what we're doing. Uh, fans need something, even if they can't be in the ground, they, they need to be able to watch the local team. They need to, something to gel around. Uh, so, yes, and, and, and actually you can see teams where their fitness levels aren't particularly good. Uh, where they've really come unstuck because they're starting to get injuries. And I think that's just because they can't cope, cope with the number of games that are going through the teams. Yeah, no, I certainly agree there as well. So many games this season that the Cups have been crammed in. And I actually thought at the start of the season they might not do the Johnson's Paint Trophy or the Papa John's Trophy, as it's called now. They have continued to do it, though. And of course, you know, clubs have had to deal with it overall. And like you say, the intensity in League One and Two is always certainly very high. But this season, though, it has just been as high as ever. And, of course, the season started later than usual, around about five weeks later than it usually does. It's been crazy, really, the amount of games teams have had to play. And I think that's also responsible for the amount of changes we've had at the top of the table as well. Because I think, I'm not sure how many teams exactly have been top of League 2 this season, but it feels like a lot have been up there, like have been top. And it's the table's changed around a lot. Um, yeah, Gabrielle as well. Um, I do want to mention about the... Um, they get the game, of course, in the week that um, Bradford had. What were your um, thoughts on that game? Because it was a lot of Bradford's games right now are hard-fought wins. And um, how do you think that bodes for the team, really? 
Uh, I think it's important to keep momentum, especially like you mentioned with all the COVID disruptions nowadays. Uh, we played a Mansfield team who, yeah, they were down to 10 men, but they, they at the start of the season were one of the teams a lot of people were backing just for how much money they all seem to pump at the club. Some of the high-profile signings are brilliant. They've got a really good manager as well uh, in Nigel Clough. He brought in some people from Burton. Uh, but for me, it's all about building momentum, especially with a season which is going to be sort of stop-start. Bradford have been looking at the fact that we've not actually had any COVID cases, I believe, since the start of the season, or that's known of anyways. It's always the other team that uh, get tested positive for COVID. Uh, so just for that, I think it's important to keep momentum because these players are working together day in, day out. And, you know, five wins in the bounce now, it's, it's just it's the team cohesion, the team chemistry, which is working best for us right now. Yeah, no, certainly agree. Yeah, Bradford have been very one of the fortunate clubs with COVID cases, that's for sure. I mean, I say I can't really recall one all season. They did, of course, have a lot of delays, whether that be because of the weather or because of the, um, because of course, of the uh, other team having COVID as well. Uh, Mike, as well, um, about um, Port Vale as well, what's your um, realistic aim right now for the end of the season, would you say? I, th- I think any fan would happily finish 22nd right now. Uh, if you look at the form over the last 10 games, it, it's it's not great. I mean, Vale have won one in six, or even worse than that, two in 11, uh, which, you know, that, that isn't relegation form, that's finishing bottom form. I think if it wasn't for such, such a good start this season, then we would be in the bottom two. Uh, you know, if you look at the table, you know, at the moment there are, there's, there's eight points still gap and actually the the games even on Tuesday when we we lost at Salford the games went our way the Saturday before I think most of us were looking uh, Barrow I think lost in the 89th minute on on the Saturday as well so I do believe that Barrow and Grimsby are probably the the two poorest teams and I don't think they will get out of it Uh, I think that will do the likes of Southend, Vale, Colchester a favour because I don't particularly rate those three teams either. And I'm, you know, a lifelong Vale fan. Uh, but I think looking forward, this is all about allowing uh, the new regime at Vale to, to get the feet under the table, to have a look at some of the players. Uh, you know, Daryl Clark's been very outspoken since he's come in about the squad and that it's only set up to play one way, which, you know, a 4-3-3. Uh, he's he's very unhappy about the lack of certain positions in, in, in the squad as well. So I think it's going to be a proper red out. Uh, there's going to be literally hundreds of players available at the end of this season. Uh, if you look at how contracts have been done so far. So I think it will be a massive rebuilding for next season. But this season, it's about players putting their hands up and saying whether or not they want to be professional footballers. Because no no league player wants to be have on their CV that they've been relegated down to the non-leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. And whether or not they, they released at the end of the season doesn't really matter. They'll still have that on their, their record. So from Vale's point of view, I, I'd like to see the main for someone like 18th. Uh, there's no reason why, why they can't do that. They're, they've shut up shop at the back. It's now about getting some confidence into the, the, the front two or three. Uh, there's a lot of you know pressure on one particular centre-forward, but uh, Devante Rodney. But at the same time, maybe Pope can come back from his injury uh, and then actually all of a sudden there is a different dynamic. Dave Worrell missing has, has left a big hole uh, in the Vales midfield. You know, if you look at his assists, he came second in the whole of the Football League last season. There's only Kevin De Bruyne that was above him in uh, assists. And when you take him out the side, you take 
all the quality up the side at Vale. So if they can get him back for maybe the last five or six games, there are definitely points there to be had. Yeah, no, I agree. It's certainly been a massive loss, and that's very impressive to be the, the second behind only Kevin De Bruyne, of course, who I believe got 20 assists in the Premier League last season. So very yeah, impressive. I think he was 18, I think he got last season, which yeah. he, he is that type of player. And actually, the, the system that was removed to did suit him. But actually, if you look at the rest of the squad, that there needs to be some more flexibility built in. Yeah, definitely. Um, say, um, Gabrielle, in terms of your um, say promotion push, I guess you can call it right now with Bradford, certainly with the form they're in. Which teams are you looking at, like up there right now, and thinking we can overtake these? Like we, we're on a very good run of form. Obviously, we can get to get past these and get into the playoffs or even automatics. Because looking at the form of every team up there. Everyone is losing games right now, other than, of course, Bolton and Bradford. Uh, yeah, I think right now, there's, I, I would be confident with Bradford against every single team up there. You know, we played we played Shelton a few weeks ago. We were comfortable in a 2-0 victory there. Uh, we've got Newport coming up, obviously Bolton tomorrow as well. Uh, Carlisle, who originally were doing very well, but then did drop off. We've got a lot of sort of difficult games coming up in a very short space of time, but I'd be confident going up against all these teams right now. We were able to beat the league leaders, Cheltenham, who have absolutely had a fantastic season, of course. Uh, we Cambridge weren't able to beat us once this season. We I think we bet them once and then jury them on the second occasion. I am very confident in this Bradford City squad right now that we will get at least playoffs. But obviously, it's a big push to go on to get the automatics, you know, especially uh, with, there are a lot of good teams up there. We even bet Morecambe recently. Uh, I haven't watched too much of Tramir or Forest Green, because I'm not too sure how well they've been doing. Um, but nevertheless, I'd be confident in Bradford to be pushing on here. I think we've got the quality of the squad, uh, a good amount of team chemistry right now, and everyone seems to be getting along. There's a lot of uh, good stuff going on social media with everyone. Just We've got a running trend of Levi Sutton saying vamos after every game as uh, of some sort of victory. Uh, and then even with Truman and Sellers, you know, they've got this club running. They've got the fans believing again, and it's absolutely incredible what they've done. And so I would be confident in us going up against either, any of those teams up there. Yeah, no, you make a very good point. Your record against teams up there recently has been fantastic. Four points taken from Cambridge since Truman and Sellers took over. Uh, a victory away at Cheltenham, a very good Cheltenham right now as well, of course, who've um, been in terrific form probably since their FA Cup tie against Manchester City. Um, yeah, and obviously Morecambe, a hard-fought win there. And I mean, obviously, like you say, right now, I don't think any team's really going to face Bradford because of the terrific form they're in. And they are literally beating everyone. Uh, Mike, I want to say as well to you, what what do you think's um, gone wrong with the teams who are in down there in the relegation battle? Not necessarily every team, but I think Colchester's won. Their form's been absolutely terrible, for, other than their win the other night against Carlisle. What what do you think's the main thing that went wrong there? I, I, I think it's the, the change of uh, how how, we've, how how the seasons folded out. I think that I think it's. It's too easy to, to look for individual. I think it's the number of games. I think uh, if, for example, if a club's been affected by COVID, either directly or, as you've mentioned before, indirectly, a lot of the time you'll lose a game, not because that you've got a, uh, an outbreak in your squad, that it's in the a second squad, but that's another game that you've got to fit in before the end of the season. So, I mean, Vale have just come off the back of six games in three weeks. And, and you can tell because you start all of a sudden, you know, apart from your goalkeeper, uh, and, and even that's had a problem at Vale because we've lost the reserve keeper uh, and we've had to bring in the emergency loan from Manchester City. Uh, I think that's the big thing. It's quality and it, 
it's uh, it's strength and depth. I think that's the the key thing. You, I mean, like I say, nobody can say that Vale, for example, haven't got a big enough squad. You know, they've got thirty players, and actually, as of January, they've had to deselect three players because they're only allowed twenty two over. I think it's twenty two over twenty two, uh, and we've had to deselect three players. You know, almost cancel their contracts halfway through a season. So it, so it can't be the numbers. It's got to be quality. And I think what some clubs did was invest in the starting 11. And that might be okay when you're playing one game a week and you're not so bothered about the cups. But if you're playing, you know, what, you, what you're saying, six, best part of 60 games uh, a season, then all of a sudden that quality has got to go past the, the first 11. It's got to go to 17 and it's probably got to go to more than that. And I think that's probably how the, the bottom clubs have been found out this season. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, like you say, this, the, the intense schedule certainly played a part and of course quality when it comes to squads. I perfectly agree there. Um, Gabrielle as well, I want to touch again again on Bradford about the um, the quality of the squad recently. One thing I've noticed about Bradford is the goals are amongst everyone right now and they're not relying heavily on their strikers. And it very much seems a team effort all the way from the back and up to the front. Do you think that's something that Truman and Sellers have um, put into the team in terms of the amazing team spirit you've had since they arrived? Yeah, Truman and Sellers have massively implemented a sort of new system amongst, amongst each player. Uh, a good example of this would be Callum Cook, who was playing sort of more uh, deeper midfielder. But Truman and Sellers have switched to a 4 one formation from the uh, the five sort of three two one they had originally with uh, under Stuart McCall. Uh, they put Cam Cook into his number ten role and he's absolutely flourished. He's been, in my opinion, the best player in the league right now. Uh, judging from how I've watched some of the league two teams, he just picks up the ball. He can sort of past anyone. He, he, he's got this incredible vision to pick out any player he wants. Uh, but he's not just done it with Cook. He's done it with several players. You look at Levi Sutton as well, who was playing right back, and he's they've moved him into centre mid now. He's got that sort of tractor engine uh, sort of mobility and just hard-working motivation, I guess, where he can just push into anyone. He's a sort of ball-winning midfield that we need alongside Elliot Watt. Uh, even moving Anthony, Anthony O'Connor into right-back then to replace Sutton, who's obviously moved into midfield. Again, it's been a revelation. It's allowed Canavan to move into centre-back, who's been by far one of our best players, even though he's only just joined. Uh, he, his experience as well alongside Paddy O'Connor has just made it work. It's just shuffling around positions and trying new things which Truman and Sellers have done. And you don't know what goes on in trading. Because uh, you can't go watch anything like that with COVID, but it's like it's like the trying out new positions of each player to see who can fit where, to see if they need to put in new signs of that position. And I think I think it's, it's just clicked. Everything just seems to be clicking right now. And uh, even up front as well, we went we went into January with Curtis Guffer, who um, I don't know how he's been doing on Portville, Mike, but he's, he was dreadful at Bradford. Uh, Austin Samuels, we only we only signed him because he scored a goal against us in the cup uh, for Wolves in the twenty threes. Uh, Lee Novak, who's been injured since December. We, we had very dire options up front, even Clayton Donaldson, who obviously, Sam, you recently talked to him. Uh, but we we brought we brought in these strikers. We brought in Daniel Rowe, we brought, brought in Andy Cook. We even brought in Roman Burrell from Middlesbrough. And they've all, they've all just, just fit in with the squad perfectly in terms of the attitude of them. Uh, and now we're absolutely just banging the goals. And that's exactly what you want to see, where we've gone from having no real decent striking options to having possibly three or four who could easily start up front. Yeah, no, I agree. Yes, yeah, certainly. Like I say, we go back to the January recruitment. Very impressive. And of course, a lot of changes had to be made at that point. And your striking options, you were certainly struggling for goals under Stuart McCall. 
Um, Mike, as well, obviously, you mentioned earlier on a little bit about a possibly a, a Port Vale rebuild going on. Um, with last season's encouragement, though, of uh, obviously being eighth, you never know what would have happened if the season wasn't obviously voided. Um, like, do you think that with being in League Two, you can turn this around quickly and possibly next season there could be something big to happen at the club, or even maybe if you ended this season on a positive note as well? Uh, I think it is about the rebuild uh, more than it is this season. Uh, it's essential now. Of, I mean, it goes without saying to to to, to avoid sort of the non-league trapdoor. Uh, I nobody's looking past that because actually the the, the not the really the performances, but the results over the last three or four games haven't haven't been great. Uh, but next is I do because the way that Port Vale have moved forward over the since since Christmas, since the New Year, really, they, they the, stru- the whole structure of the football side of the club's changed. So they, they've brought in uh, David Flitcroft as the director of football. You know, he he he's got a lot of experience. Uh, he. He's a winner. I think actually what Vale have probably suffered from in the last three or four seasons is not having somebody who's willing to tell everybody a few home truths. Uh, so, you know, David Flickcroft's done that. He's now obviously bought in uh, Daryl Clark as the manager. Uh, Clark's got a really good record, actually. If you look at his managerial record, he's got four promotions with two teams. Uh, you know, he's got teams up as, as high as the championship, I think. But he, if you look back at his early, so I think, believe it was Salisbury he was at, uh, and he took Salisbury up uh, two seasons on the bounce. And actually, that's the sort of thing that Vale need to be looking at. He he is very much about the uh, the data, though. So what what's coming out of the club this season is that Vale have been prepared better than they've been in a long, long time. You know, Every player knows their opposite number. Every player knows what they're expected to do. That's not been the case for three or four seasons. The whole structure of the footballing side, and I think actually they'll be able to iron out the kinks over what's left of this season and then hit the ground running really hard next season. Uh, Clark's already said that the fitness levels at the club aren't high enough for the for the sort of football that he wants to play. I think so that will change. But the original, to answer your original question, I absolutely do believe that we can build a side over the the, the, the close season to challenge. I, mean, I think I think to say that we're going to be in the top three, I think that's I think that's always wishful thinking. But a top seven side, absolutely in League Two, it is possible. Uh, you only need to look at when Vale last got promoted. Exactly the same happened. Mickey Adams came in and actually built a squad in the close season that got promoted that season. And he, and again, he was coming from nothing. So you, can you do it? Yes, you can. Do I think Vale will? I do, actually, because I also look at uh, the, the board structure at Vale and the amount of money that they're willing to put into the club. Uh, I, I don't think they're willing to throw it away. But, that, you know, uh, they are very, very astute when it comes to the money. But actually, our wage budget is probably in the top third in the division. I think with a director of football, with a proper scouting and, and bringing in the right players for the club, absolutely, I think they can. And actually, Port Vale, if you look at the ground, if you look at the training facilities, it shouldn't be a league to. I, I don't buy into this. It should be a championship club. I don't think it's quite there yet, but it should be a mid-table league one side comfortably. So at the moment, it, it's not performing anywhere near its potential. 
Yeah, no, that's fair, fair assessment. Very fair assessment. Um, Gabrielle as well. I do want to speak about, obviously, a lot of people when you first bought in uh, Mark Truman and Connor Sellers were quite, obviously, I don't want to say like, you know, worried, but as in whenever it's a bit of a risk, of course, whenever you do something like this. And so far it's paying off. Does the inspirational story of like, for example, what happened with Eddie Howe, I know that's a bit of an extreme example at Bournemouth because that arguably was a one-off, but does that sort of story give you inspiration that Mark Truman and Connor Sellers can take you very far? Uh, yeah, I think it absolutely does. I think you look at some of the incredible stories which has happened from League Two to reach the Premier League, uh, whether it's Bournemouth with Eddie Howe, uh, we've seen other teams here, Sheffield United recently, even though that was from League One to the Premier League. It is possible for these things to happen as long as some the right management in place, the right sort of board going forward as well, uh, no problems with the ownership and the actual team itself. Everything's perfect. But I think a lot of the reservations first came about Truman and Sellers because when they were, on in, uh, when they were sort of in charge on in, an in interim basis, I think a lot of people thought that Truman was sort of the interim manager with Sellers as an assistant. And obviously when they are appointed, they were actually appointed as joint managers, which I don't think there's a, another actual actual pair of joint managers in the EFL. I know in the non-league there's quite a few. Uh, at Chester, they have Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley. Guys, they have Marcus Bignett and Russell O'Neill. Um, I've watched Geisley a few times this season and he didn't really work with their joint management system. Like obviously then in the bottom of the National League North. But so when you look at Truman and Sellers at an EFL club, you wonder if it will work if these two, because you know they can clash heads or get in the way of each other's tactics, might have disagreement uh, and all that. It can all just come crashing down. But I do believe because obviously they've been working together for so long, whether it's in the youth team or on interim basis. I do believe that we, Bradford have potential to become another one of those sort of bomber stories. Obviously that's a big stretch. But right now, I can't see anything really going wrong with the club. Uh, I think the owner, owner has done a really good job, even though he got a bit of hate in the past because of things which have gone in our, in our decline. But I think right now, everything going on the club is only positive. I can't really see many negatives, to be honest. Maybe some contracts running out at the end of the season, but as long as we can get them renewed, I can't see anything really going wrong with this club right now. We're on our, we're on our way up. We, we bring in some fantastic players. We've got a recruitment director doing excellent. We've got two young, hungry managers who we'll both agree with each other and what's going on and they're doing well with the board. I think everything right now is excellent. And I think a lot of that comes up, actually comes down to the director of football, Ryan Sparks, because uh, is director of football or chief executive, something like that, uh, Ryan Sparks, who obviously he's had an incredible rise to his job role, but I think everything comes down to him because he's just done an incredible job of making sure that the fans can become proud of this club once again. Yeah, I agree. No, Ryan Sparks on some terrific work since he joined. I perfectly agree. And let's say worked very hard to get into the position he's in. And I think Bradford feel very together as a club right now. I think the togetherness of Bradford and Bradford are a big club, of course. Like, and the, the togetherness is very much there. And when you've gone through a bit of a, you know, obviously don't say, but the last couple of years have been quite difficult. I think that's very important for Bradford that they do have that unity again. And it certainly could lead to a bit of a, a rising story, which we have seen before from clubs, the likes of Swansea and Bournemouth, as I mentioned in the past couple of decades have, have proven you can go from league two to the depths of league two to right into the premier league. So of course, and Bradford were only a premier league team 20 years ago. So 20 years is a long time, but you know, there's no reason to say that, um, Certainly couldn't return anyway. Um, yeah, Mike as well. Um, for, as for um, back on to back to Port Vale, um, obviously with the um, you mentioned a lot about the um, rebuilding system as well. Um, what have been the games you've seen recently? What do you think are the the outstanding problems in your opinion? 
I mean, it's it's quality at the moment. So, I mean, ever since uh, Klopp's come in, he's he's done what any manager would do, and he's 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 stiffed them up at the back. So, so actually, you know, Leon Legs come back into the side. Uh, no one's quite sure why he wasn't playing. Uh, I, I think most people believe it's a contractual that he's going to trigger a, a, an instant uh, one-year extension. So he wasn't being picked, but actually. He, when he's come back into the side, uh, Nathan Smith as well. They're quite they're quite a solid pairing. If you think about last season, it was the same pairing, and they were you know and the, the, the top eight or nine in the, in the league, and and actually spent time in the top seven. So, you know, players don't overnight become bad players. Uh, so I think uh, from a Vale point of view, the, the problem really has been in front of the, the back four. Uh, it the back four is probably not the best in the division by any stretch of imagination, but actually it's solid. But there's a lot coming through. Uh, like like we've already said, the loss of uh, certain players at certain times have really put, put Vale under a strain. You, we started off the season and Pope was suspended uh, for, for, for his off-the-field off the uh, shenanigans on uh, Twitter, for example. So straight away, you start the season and he's missing for six games. Uh, and then you lose players, uh, Manny Aliki, who for me would be in the starting midfield for Vela. You know, he's lucky at the moment to play 10 games a season. Uh, he's one of those players that actually when he plays, he's very good, but he spends a lot of time injured. Uh, and then we bought, we've invested in a couple of young players that actually, you know, Javante Ronnie is the perfect example. He signed on a three-year contract, which in League Two terms is unheard of. That's a real investment for the future. We've done that with a couple of young players. Uh, we've brought in somebody from uh, Notts Forest. We've got another lad in online from Notts Forest at the moment. There's a good link there. But these players are for the future and not, not necessarily for now. Uh, and it's all well and good bringing them in. But actually, what's, what's behind them? What, what's what's going to you know, push fail up the, up, the, up the league? You know... Warwick coming back, hopefully, will, will make a huge difference. And, and all of a sudden, the likes of Rodney look dangerous when Warrell's on the team because we've talked about the assists already. There's, you know, they're getting opportunities. At the moment, a lot's been put on to Conlon's shoulders, the, the club captain. And he, at the moment, he's been having to take a holding role because he's had to replace Luke Joyce. Joyce came back into the side, actually, on Tuesday night. But... It's a balance as well. And, and actually, uh, Clark's probably right that at, if you look across the squad, we, we, we didn't have a, mid, uh, a defensive midfielder that was available for, for, for two weeks. Uh, and that's and a squad of 30. You, you do have to point the finger and say, well, how did that even happen? So, you know, key positions, we have our players when we've needed them. Uh, that 11 that you, you defend, uh, depend on, every week just wasn't there uh, and actually that's why Vale have been found wanting really Pope's been out a lot of the season with with injuries or you know through suspensions at the start of the season I, I do think Pope's coming towards the end of his career but actually uh, and, and uh, Gabrielle mentioned Guthrie Guthrie can't even get into Vale's side that mm. says something about the, the level of uh, investment that we've bought in we've bought in squad players what we should be doing then is bringing in one to eleven and forcing players out of the, the the bottom end, 
we haven't done that this season. And that's, that, you know, it's become very obvious as we get further and further into the season. There's just nothing pressuring that starting eleven. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, so, Gabrielle, going to put you on the spot now. What's your prediction for tomorrow's game, Bradford versus Bolton? Arguably oh, the God. biggest game in the EFL at the weekend. Very tough one to call. Two very informed teams. What, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be a draw right now. I'd probably go for a 1-1. I can, I can see these two sides having two of the best defences in League 2, even if the stats don't prove it. There's some of the quality they've got, such as Canavan, Paddy O'Connor, even Connor Woods for Bradford. You've got Santos, uh, Baptiste, Declan John, who I think a few years ago was playing for Rangers and Swansea, uh, that sort of level anyways. Both these sides have got some of the most quality defenders in this division. I think that's going to be incredibly hard to break down. I think with Bradford, it depends who we start up from because obviously Andy Cook's a bit more of a sort of a physical target man where you've got Danny Roy who will just shoot from anywhere and he'll probably go in to be fair to him. Uh, I think tomorrow we should start with Danny Roy just for that alone because Santos and Baptiste are such a strong partnership. It's unlikely that Cook will be able to beat them in the air or anything like that. And so I'd start Roy just, just so he can maybe take some long shots, if that makes sense. Uh, then again, you look at Bolton, I've got Owen Doyle up front. And as a Bradford fan, I'm not a massive fan of Owen Doyle just because of how um, well underwhelming he did it was compared to how he did it at Swindon, Oldham Athletic, uh, and now Bolton, really. But it depends right now on the form of the defences, in my opinion. I think this could be a game where we just cancel each other out. Uh, we just stop each other from scoring, to be fair, even if it was a nil nil, we'd be too surprised. Um, but I think if there was, if there were, this game was going to be won by anyone, it would be due to a, just an individual error. Yeah, no, that's a fair assessment. I mean, I'm I'm going to go with a, a 1-0 Bradford win, to be honest. I think Bradford, I mean, I know both teams are in terrific form, but for some reason, I'm thinking Bradford's is that little bit more serious at the moment for some reason. And I do think they're going to edge it by 1-0, but expecting a very tight game. Uh, so, Mike, what's your prediction for Cheltenham versus Port Vale? Oh, I, I think uh, my heart my heart wants a one-all draw, Uh I think my head says, you know, we'll, we'll probably lose by the odd goal. I don't think we're going to concede a lot of goals this season now. I think the way that we play, you know, it's a solid back four with a, with a holding midfielder. So that's always going to limit the, the damage. But actually to go to uh, the leaders that, you know, they've only lost one in the last five, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll do very well to come out with a one all draw. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. But yeah, guys, I think that's pretty much all we've um, got time for anyway on the um, show today. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on, Mike. Anyway, it's been nice speaking to you. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Gabrielle, as well, for joining me as co-host, of course. And we'll be back next week as well with another guest. So please continue to tune in to the Fourth Tier Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first episode. Thank you very much, guys. Okay. Cheers. Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Good, Good luck with it. Thank you. Yeah, just, yeah.